Hi everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for this exceptional episode as we explore audio described comics with the author of Unseen, none other than Chad Allen. Get ready for an episode full of information, insights, and new ideas for readers and writers. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us today. And today we've got a special show. And it's always special because all of you are here with us. I have the great pleasure of introducing our guest author today, Chad Allen. Chad is a multidisciplinary artist and writer who happens to be blind. He is the creator of the audio comic Unseen, which premiered at the Exploratorium Museum in San Francisco as part of the exhibit on identity, self-made. Chad is also a magician and has appeared on Penn & Teller, Fool Us, and America's Got Talent. His goal is to give audiences an opportunity to reframe their perceptions of blind people and vision. You don't see art with your eyes. You see with your brain and that's what I'm trying to teach people more than anything, says Chad. Cheryl, over to you. Thank you. Chad, we are so glad you're here. Hello. Hey, how are you guys? This is exciting. You know, I had someone ask me last week what I thought as a person who had sight and now does not about audio comic. And I said, well, as a matter of fact... We have an, a person who writes audio comics on Writing Works Wonders. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are, your life, and, and who's Chad Allen? I'm uh, happy to. I was born and raised in Rhode Island. I grew up loving art in one way, shape, or form since I was really young. My mother told me that one of the first things that I learned how to do by myself was turn over the record on a record player. Back then, Harry Chapin was very popular in the house, so mm. uh, storytelling was certainly a big part of his musical experience, mm. and I just loved it. That eventually led me into my mother putting me in uh, dance classes, and I ended up taking that very seriously for a number of years. I was a competitive tap dancer up and down the East Coast as a child. I later evolved into more fine art. Uh, where I was doing more drawing and sculpture. I used to spend time at uh, Art on the Hill uh, in Providence uh, with professional artists, and I would go to their studios. And when other kids were doing whatever they were doing, I was sitting in an art studio, like drawing still lifes and things of that nature as a kid. I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa as a teenager, and eventually would lose my uh, vision over time. But, you know, that really didn't stop my passion for art. I ended up moving to Denver as a young adult. I got a job at a, a retail space that happened to be a costume and toy store, and they had a magic counter there, but no magician. I started learning magic at the store and eventually took an entrepreneurial angle to it 
by doing the birthday parties and kids shows and private lessons after a couple of years of, of learning. And that passion really never ended. So when I moved to Los Angeles, there's a place called the world famous Magic Castle in Hollywood, California. I needed to become a member and um, you have to perform in front of the board to be a member. Um, I did that in 2002. And then eventually that led me to um, other types of performances and, you know, the ultimate being my appearance on Penn and Teller's Fool Us with Magic. The writing was something that I think I've always done as a passive thing, but it seemed too insurmountable of a task for me to try and find a way to be a professional writer. Just the idea of it seemed impossible. However, I got an idea for a story. There was a contest that took place. I submitted my story to that. That gave me a little write-up in Vice Magazine. And then in 2019, it appeared in the Exploratorium Museum up in San Francisco. And then from there, the, the project kind of grew legs and started walking around by itself. And I've been following it ever since. As a child, did you like reading the visual comics? Yeah, I was uh, very much a big fan. Mm -hmm. You know, the cartoons of Spider-Man mm -hmm. and his amazing friends, I enjoyed very much as a kid. Mm -hmm. I definitely went to many, many, many comic book stores. I was also an avid player of Dungeons and Dragons. That is a very illustrated gaming system. It's part marketing, but part imagination that those images kind of relay to the fans of, of that game. You know, the construct of a, of a role-playing game, you know, really allows for a good framework for storytelling. So I think, you know, I tease sometimes with, with people that I'm in, you know, rooms with trying to pitch my ideas and they ask where I got my experience as a writer. And I tell them Dungeons and Dragons because mm -hmm. that was really my first foundation into creating story. Because you had sight, you learned the visualization of art and drawing. As an artist, we tell stories with our art, you know, with our drawings and our paintings. So I'm wondering, had, did that help you now as a blind person? Because you have that visualization in a different way than someone who had been blind since birth. Well, I don't know if I can speak to um, someone who has always been blind because yes, right. I, I think I understand what it is to see, even though mm. it's been a long time since I've experienced that. And it mm. certainly influenced me. Mm. However, you know, as I mentioned in the article uh, that you quoted from the LA Times, it's a misconception that we see with our eyes. Mm. The eyes don't have, if I can put it into computer terms, the eyes don't have the processing power to interpret what the eye experiences. Only the brain does that. So the eyes are a delivery system for transferring light from the eye and the brain is processing what that means, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing art, I'm kind of working in something that would stereotypically be considered a visual medium. Magic is about now you see it, now you don't. Comic books are about graphics and these wild array of color and design and, you know, very dramatic. But 
I think what I'm trying to say now is exactly, you know, what I said before, which is the seeing happens in the brain. So I, I have been able to find a way to transfer the visual aesthetic of some of these things in a non-visual way. Yeah. Thank you. When someone asks us, is it different than someone who was blind since birth? But I can say, as you did, is what our experience is. And I think that's perfect. And what you're creating is an entire experience. And I so appreciate that. What was the inspiration? Well, yeah, I think the inspiration for the audio comic and the inspiration for the story of Unseen in particular are kind of two different things. So I'll start with the audio comic. I loved comics as a child. And when I was going through my experience in blindness rehabilitation, I was learning a lot of skills about blindness, which was a very empowering thing for me. However, uh, it made me question a lot of the things that I didn't necessarily have access to yet but I realized that it wasn't me that was necessarily the problem. It was that these things weren't made in a way that I could experience it myself. That was just a matter of finding a solution. So I can remember one of the Batman movies came out and friends were talking about the, the bat suit and the Batmobile. And when I was a kid, you know, the Batmobile was a little campy, a little cartoony, you know, a classic like 1950s, 1960s type car. Whereas the newer Batmans, it was more like a tank, like battle armor that they, you know, created these designs for. And so I didn't see that Batman. And I was really mm -hmm. curious about that. But there was really, there wasn't 3D printers around. Like tactile art was a thing, but it wasn't something that was necessarily readily available. You know, life gets in the way and you think about these things. And I put it aside for a little while. But then when the Marvel Universe started to come online as film, you know, Marvel Studios became a thing. I remember very distinctly, I was in Doctor Strange, the movie, at El Capitan Theater here in Hollywood. And they had the descriptive video service, you know, set up on their system. And I'm listening to the descriptive video and I'm listening to one of my favorite characters of all time. And I, I'm almost in awe because I'm like, I'm experiencing a two hour comic book. And it just, it just hit me like a train. If I could blend the two in such a way so that it was something that was both enjoyable for a sighted and blind audience, that would be cool. That would be an interesting thing. And then it wasn't until uh, maybe a year or even two years, I'd have to look at the dates later, where the idea of Unseen came into play. And then I started writing the story with that philosophical intent in mind and just kind of took it from there. Thank you so much for that explanation. That's very powerful. I really enjoyed the story Unseen. It's powerful and for several reasons. One, I, I love action movies and spy movies, so that fits in and, and it blends both of those genres. But also, I really appreciate your protagonist. One, she's female. Also, she's foreign. She's very independent. She's a spy, uh, but she's also blind and has powerful physical abilities and intellectual abilities. 
what contributed to you selecting her as your protagonist and creating her? Did you have her in mind? Where did she come from? Did she evolve over time? Tell us a little bit about that story. Afsana is from Afghanistan, and she's a teenager who found a lot of challenges with family and learns that she is actually a part of a, or her family is a part of a secret order of assassins. And it's only until the matriarch of the family, which actually this is kind of a little bit of insight into the story, how it's evolved recently. So I'm not sure if this part necessarily appears in what you've listened to yet, but the matriarch of the family dies. And this is when she realizes who she is or where she comes from. And so it's this, this idea of identity. It's this idea of, you know, not really knowing who you are facing big challenges and having to make that decision of which way are you going to go? You know, are you going to fight or are you going to run? There was a lot of uh, political unrest in the world when this was uh, story was kind of evolving. Afghanistan became something that I was, I wanted to understand better as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important as a writer to include things in stories that will keep you going. Because I think that that's the greatest challenge as a writer is to always find the time and the space and the energy to continuously write. And so if you're writing about, and I think this is where the term, you know, write what you know, not necessarily that I knew a ton about Afghanistan before this project, but I wanted to know more. And that drive compelled me to keep exploring this story. She was always going to be blind because that's a a story that I do know a lot about and something that I wanted to express creatively in this experience. She wasn't female until later. A friend of mine actually suggested, he's like, you know, have you considered making her female? And I was like, oh, it just made so much more sense for her personally to be that. And then as far as the abilities are concerned, I've been using this catchphrase a lot with, you know, interviews that I've had and and things. She's the greatest assassin the world has never seen. (laughs) So she had to be not just competent, but exceptional. Mm -hmm. So Olympic level athletics, high, high level of intelligence, right? Skilled in a variety of things that are pertaining to her needs as an assassin, you know, but at the same time, I was very adamant about not wanting to give her a superpower. Daredevil is a superhero and yes, he's blind, but he's actually, he has supervision. If you think about it, his sonar capability gives him a photorealistic interpretation of the world around him, 360 degrees around, which is something that even our 2020 eyes cannot do. And that is through a supernatural experience that happened to him on the streets of New York. So I wanted to get away from that because I really wanted the skills of blindness to be 
and, and her intelligence to be the thing that was in the forefront. And I was afraid that if I gave her a superpower, it would diminish that. However, there were certain things that I needed to resolve. So as the creator of the story, I threw this story world into the future. So it takes place in 2050, which is near future, right? But it allows me to evolve some of the adaptive technology that we experience now about mm -hmm. 20, 30 years ahead and play around creatively with what that technology might do or how it might function. And that was my Very, work with the superpower. What a wonderful explanation. Thank you for that. I, I really appreciate the decisions you made and how you explain that for us, not only as readers, but also as authors. You explained your process there and the decisions you were making, because it, it's apparent as you read it, it doesn't come across preachy by any means. I don't want people to get that impression. But it's clear when you think about it and listen to this audio comment that there are important social messages embedded in this character, especially people with disabilities. We recognize these social messages are embedded in there <laughs> and that Chad is, is doing something important with this work. So it's powerful to hear you explain that. So uh, I have another question to follow up on that. Did you expect some challenges in communicating the image that you had of her and her abilities to your audience or how she would be received? And how did you accommodate those challenges that you thought you might encounter? Well, I'll, I'll address the second question first. Um, as far as how she was received, that, to be perfectly honest, wasn't, wasn't a concern. And the reason I say that is because I was, I, I had no expectations for this project whatsoever. When I was writing this, I was still working hard as a magician to try and put that work into the world and make that commercially viable. This was an aside. This was something that I just felt the need to write down. And then the contest came up and then it just kind of grew from there. I'm always amazed with the response. You know, now that I'm getting into more detail in the story and I'm working on on other elements of the story, you know, maybe that fear or that that concern will be more prevalent in this next phase of the process. But in the beginning, it wasn't there at all. And then as far as can you repeat your first questions? So so did you expect challenges in how to communicate her image and abilities to your audience? You're dealing with audio comics, so you, you don't have the medium that people are used to with the comics. You're dealing with a very different type of protagonist. Did you expect challenges? You talked a little about how you made decisions. How did you navigate dealing with communicating who she was and her abilities to your audience? Because she's unique. Challenges... I think is what art is all about. If you're not hungry for those kinds of challenges, I'm not sure what you're going for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I knew they would be there, but anytime I encountered one, it was exciting because it, I kind of felt like I was, whatever new thing I was encountering, it was, I was going in the right direction. If things started to get too easy, then you know maybe I'm not pushing this enough. 
And again, I mentioned, I went through blindness rehabilitation training in 2001. It didn't appear, uh, Unseen didn't appear in the Exploratorium Museum until 2019. So I've been thinking about this stuff passively for a long time. Mm -hmm. My appetite for comics never disappeared, even though I didn't have access to it. And so instead of reading graphic novels, I found that need fulfilled through classics of literature. So I read for the first time Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I'm better for it, I think, because it really taught me how to play around in a fantastical space, but at a very high level. I mean, these are great works of literature. And so it, it was it was good, but it was, of course, dated. And now that the Marvel Universe is so prevalent in our world, it's actually a disadvantage to, I think, the world at large that we don't have access to this stuff. As individuals, we need heroes. And comics are our modern mythology. So to not have access to this stuff as blind people, I think is a major deficit, even though we don't necessarily talk about it in the same way as employment or braille literacy or things along those lines. But these stories help us grow. They help us teach us who we are and they help us understand the world that we live in. And then for blind people to be without these tools, without these stories, it is a detriment to them because they don't get to hear our perspective in that fantastical way. Powerful. Thank you so much for that. So very briefly, because we want to move over to let our participants ask you questions too, Chad. I expect from what you're saying that you didn't write this just as a short story, that you also were anticipating this would be rather like a script or a screenplay, that it would be enacted, read aloud, and perhaps have sound effects. Was that the way you originally wrote it, or did you just write it as a short story? In order for it to be a comic, I felt that the experience needed to be cinematic. And the Mm -hmm. reason is because comics are wildly colorful and dramatically drawn. And so to, for it to be a comic book, that soundscape needed to be as wild and as fantastical as the illustrations. So that was the intent there. And then as far as the story, I was a history major in college, so I automatically, it's just natural for me to put in all these layers into whatever it is that I'm creating. I really see Unseen as what they call a transmedia story. And similar to Star Wars, where you can have the animated series, the movie, the comic book, the video game, the t-shirt, the the YouTube video, the TikTok video. Star Wars can be across any medium. And blind people really don't have a story that is exclusively theirs that's a transmedia story. And so I have built this world in such a way to where I can turn this into a movie. I can turn this into a TV show. I could turn it into a video game if given the opportunity. Terrific. Thank you. That, that so clearly articulates what we were trying to understand and wanted our listeners to be able to grab a hold of. Thank you. Cheryl? How you put your production together cinematically 
Oh my gosh, just very powerful and amazing. People are wondering how can they do that? How can they do what you did? Do you have suggestions for everyone? I think everybody's creative experience is unique to them. The only thing that I really did throughout this is constantly ask questions, constantly explore options and alternatives if those options aren't available to me. You know, I didn't just necessarily knock on a door and get the opportunity to create this on a whim. It took months and months and months of asking Mm -hmm. and problem solving and communicating my ideas to many, many people until I found the ones that fit the best according to the project. And I started off as a tap dancer and somehow I ended up a writer. It's, <laughs> it's really just yeah. about doing. That's, right. all that, that's all that it's about. Just keep mm-hmm. going. Don't stop. Don't let up. Take the breaks when you need it. Be mentally sound in, in your decision-making, of course. But devote yeah, even 10 minutes a day to something. Over the course of a year, if you do it every day, is an immense amount of time towards a project. That's what people need to hear, is to keep going. And that sometimes we have to reevaluate because what worked before may not work now. And because times are changing so quickly with technology, that there's more and more available And in this community that we are a part of through the American Council of the Blind, there's just talent everywhere through this pandemic has opened the world. Kathy and I, our goal is to keep inspiring and encouraging people to go out and reach for those dreams, reach for those stars and do it. Thank you for that. Let's see what other people want to ask you. And I'm sure you'll be able to fill in as we go along, if that's good with you. Sure, of course. Thank you, Chad. This is wonderful. Uh, Chanel? First up, we have Stacy. Hello. Your book sounds very interesting. It sounds like maybe it's something I would like to venture in at some point to read. And it's amazing that you gave this person who has vision uh, issues abilities because, you know, we all have abilities. But in my experience, the side of the world likes to downgrade people who can't see and put, put us in a box and lump us together like we can't do anything and pity us. So I, I'm glad you wrote a book like that. It sounds very interesting, if you don't mind me saying so. No, absolutely. Um, if you're interested in listening to the story, it is free online. You just need to go to unseencomic.com. That's U-N-S-E-E-N-C-O-M-I-C dot C-O-M. And there's a teaser link. And then there's a link to issue one which is the same thing that was experienced inside the Exploratorium Museum. And it's about 23 minutes long. Annie Chapetta has her hand up. Hi, Chad. Thank you so much for talking to us today. So much of what you said resonates with me. I lost my vision from RP at 28. And before I became serious about my writing, I wasn't very much into the visual arts and design. So what you were talking about kind of parallels my introduction in terms of my creativity. And one thing you said resonated with me very much was about having heroes, having role models in literature to look up to, especially moving forward for people who are younger than me. (laughs) So thank you for saying that. And the other thing was, you know, the accessibility part, you know, access to the Marvel universe or the Star Wars universe. I have noticed that it's just gotten so much better 
and it's gotten better because of people like you. So thank you. Thank you. And next up, we have Deanna. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you were talking about being a tap dancer. When I lost my vision at eight and a half, one of the first things my mother did was put me in a dance class because she said to the instructor, she's going to be tripping over things and running into them a lot now. So I want her to at least do it gracefully. teaching young people the importance of figuring out who you are and where you want to go and what you want to be and not letting society tell you those things is really vital i agree and next marcia summers i'm in daytona beach and have rp i'm 78 But as the site's going down, I was thinking about writing. One of the things that I ran across was an exercise to write 60 things you're thankful for. And so I did that during Thanksgiving. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it be a good exercise? Because you talked about unseen and the abilities that she has. And wouldn't it be interesting to make a list of my abilities? I think think those little exercises are always good. You're not hurting anybody by trying stuff like that out. You never know what comes off the screen or the page. I try and keep everything because I never know when I'm going to utilize an idea for something that's completely unrelated. So I say Mm -hmm. certainly make as many lists as you feel compelled to do. And someday you might look at that and go, oh, that's what I was talking about there. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's your next novel. Mm-hmm. And in your computer or on your iPad or in your cell phone, make a folder to keep all of those different lists, Marsha, mm-hmm. so that you have mm-hmm. a place to be able to explore those and go back and thumb through them when you need ideas. Mm-hmm. That would be another important tip that a lot of us as writers do. Thank you so much. Okay, mm-hmm. next up we have Cheryl Cummings. Hi, I was just thinking about this, I think. Uh, somebody might have asked us a little earlier about description, but how much like details do you give about how the main, you know, all of the characters look? I tried to make the um, describer more like a narrator mm-hmm. than necessarily like a utility okay. that is used for visually describing things because Unseen was created non-visually first. I'm not adapting an existing comic book into an audio format. There is some description for the cover art because I did have an artist design that part of it. But technically, that's the only physical image that exists with this story as of right now. So there was really no need to describe in detail because it's not a novel, you know, it's a graphic novel, the aesthetic of what color clothes people were wearing, or, you know, what color eyes they had, or things like that. It it seemed to take away from the the moment in the story. Mm -hmm. So I didn't add it. I didn't think it was needed. I left it up to the audience to decide those things. Uh, Let me also say, on the other hand, when you listen to this, and you go to unseencomic.com to listen to this, It is vivid. The story Mm -hmm. is vivid through sound effects and other means. It's a vivid storytelling. In your mind's eye, you see what is happening. And I imagine that if we all sat in a room listening to it together, we'd all, quote, see something different. 
Right. And that could be for a sighted person, put them in a dark room and have them experience it. And they're going to be able to visualize it differently than we do. It's that visualization with inside of ourselves. This is a a funny and very quick story. When my mother-in-law first listened to the story, she was in the car and she said, because it was so vivid and mm-hmm. so deeply immersive, she had to pull over the car to mm-hmm. fit listening to it because she couldn't concentrate on the road and the story at the same time. Your work right. is done, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a great compliment. Yes. Yes. Our prompt this week was to write a six-word story using the word potato. First up, we have Carol Mackey. Thank you. Start with potato. Steamy, white, buttery, peaked. Wonder. Diana. Mine was a comment to Marlene's. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head got a divorce, I think. So I wrote... (laughs) I wrote in response to hers and said, I'm not your sweet potato pie. Obviously, that's Mrs. Potato Head. Uh, I didn't even read that. That's what was going on. I saw saw yours come in separately and I didn't get the train of, oh, now I get it. (laughs) You know, the great things with these, Cheryl, is that these stories are so provocative because you read them and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. But then it sinks in and it's like, oh, what happened before? What happened after? What does this mm-hmm. mean? What is the story? Right. It's really <laughs> yeah. cool. It's really yeah. cool. Next up, we have Marlene Massat. Uh, well, <laughs> my absolute favorite, potato chips. <laughs> Thank you, Marlene. <laughs> <laughs> You're always a hoot. <laughs> now we're all Thank hungry. You. We're all reaching for uh-huh. snacks while we're on the show mm-hmm. now. Stacy. I knew she would be here. Yes, Stacy. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a great mighty potato. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. And next up, Pam Johnson. Stop, thief. You got my potato. And, <laughs> and my potato flew in the tornado. thank you writing works wonders weekly writing prompts are terrific creativity accelerators writers new and experienced enjoy them and we enjoy seeing their creative responses posted on our website and read on our weekly shows when you visit writingworkswonders.com click contact us and you will find the details about the writing prompts and how to post your response there as a comment. If it's easier, you may also email or phone in your response to us. Writing Works Wonders personal delivery. If you would like to receive the writing prompts and Zoom information delivered to your email box, sign up for our Zoom email alerts, and they are included. Why all the excitement? Because we want to encourage your writing success. Thank you so much, Chad. And thank you, everybody, for being here with us. And thank you, Chanel, for doing what you do best. Thanks again, Chad. Kathy? Again, thank you, everybody, for making this another amazing episode. And a big thank you to Chad Allen and for all of our guests for spending time with us. Listen to his work at Unseen Comic 
writingworkswonders.com. Be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes, resources, and bonus content. You will also find many opportunities to write and participate in Writing Works Wonders events. All opportunities to participate in our Zoom calls, contests, writing prompts, and open mic events are available through our Contact Us page. Click Contact Us on the website. You may contact Cheryl and Kathy through the Contact Us page or email us at writingworkspodcast at gmail.com or with our telephone number, 347-467-0221. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-647-0221. All donations go to the expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep our podcast running. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder of writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.